I'm going to have you put a bookmark in Mark chapter 9, but we're not going to go there right away. But just put something in there that you can get there, because we're going to be going back and forth down later on in the message. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. The name of the message is the mighty power of God. The mighty power of God. And we will continue our encounters with Christ. It's been a wonderful study to go through these encounters and to see God's almighty power at work. I was telling Sister Karen just how much of a blessing it has been for me to see his, his almighty power at work and to know that that's the same power that keeps me and comforts me. and It's, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And that the same king that we see here in these messages um, exercising his power and healing folks is the same one who saved us by his grace and by his mercy and more so the, the one who died for us on Calvary's cross. My, oh my. And today's encounter with Christ falls after the Mount of Transfiguration when our Lord Jesus Christ took Peter, James, and John to a certain mountain to pray, and while he was praying, his countenance was altered. And his raiment was white and glistering. And what, what a sight that must have been for them. What a sight that must have been for them to see. The Lord's countenance changed. He reveals a little bit of his glory, doesn't he? Oh, my. And, and what an honor for them to behold that. Not all the disciples were there, but Peter, James, and John were there. And Peter also saw James and John, or Peter, James, and John also saw Moses and Elijah. Look at verse 33. They actually saw Moses and Elijah talking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the words of Peter, it was obvious that he knew who they were. You ever asked yourself, will we know each other in heaven? I think we see an answer here. Peter, James, and Peter knew who they were. Look what it says here. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. So this, number one, this clearly proves life after death. Right? Because they're standing there with Christ. It clearly proves that there's life after death. It does. And then, it shows that we're no one another. That Peter knew who they were. They didn't say, hi, I'm Moses, and hi, I'm Elijah. They didn't say that, did they? But he knew who they were. He knew who they were. I believe we're going to know one another in glory, beloved. My and then look at verse 35, and we see that God is only pleased with Christ. Peter says, well, let's make us three monuments here. God's only pleased with Christ. Moses and Elijah are in Christ. Right? And you know what they were talking about? They were talking about his decrease, which means his death. They were talking about his death, beloved. What he was going to accomplish at Calvary's cross. But look what, look what verse 35 says. Look at the voice of God says, And there came a voice of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. We'll think of that today. We're going to look at some words of Jesus today. Words of the Master. Hear him. Hear him. Oh, well, may God give you hearing ears. Oh, as Brother Tom prayed, may, may God give us ears to hear what the Scripture says. What the Scripture says. God's only pleased with Christ, beloved, and he's only pleased with those who are in Christ. And so what a privilege and an honor for God's people. And let we who are the redeemed of the Lord rejoice. Let us rejoice. Let us be glad. Our Lord Jesus Christ is every believer's righteousness, and God has revealed to his people that law and grace cannot mix. 
And lo, a spirit taketh him, and suddenly, and he suddenly crieth out, and it terreth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to come, and could not. And Jesus answering, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer, suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. Jesus rebuked the unclean and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, everyone at all spoke about his death. Look at verse 37. And it came to pass on the next day, or come down from a hill, much people met him. Because we see it was the next day when they came down in this text. Came down from the hill. And when they were good people. And they were looking for Christ. Because his fame had spread abroad, right? The news of the, of the man who was going to have a divine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the powers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came. Bringing his son with him. Bringing his son with him. Expectation that our Lord might be pleased to heal him. And look at verse 38. Of Luke chapter 9. And only and He was yelling above the, all those people. Remember blind Bartimaeus? They told him, be quiet. He just got louder. Well, this man obviously was, was getting loud. And when the father of that demon-possessed child saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he immediately cried out, making his request. In other words, I beg thee, Lord. I beg thee, Lord. Mark, when giving this same account, which we'll look at later, tells us that the multitude came running to our Lord Jesus Christ. Came running to him before this man cried out. But this man, just like blind Bartimaeus, he just kept crying out. He cried out loud. Loud enough to be heard above the noise of that multitude. And look what again he proclaims to our Lord. Look at verses 38 to 40. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that foameth again. It teareth him that he foameth again. Embracing him hardly departeth from him. And I besought the disciples to cast him out, and they could not. So Matthew tells us in his rendering of this narrative that the man kneels down before Christ. And that's where the Holy Spirit brings us, isn't it? Right to the feet of Christ. That's where he brings us. That's where he brings us. And here's a sincere cry. And every believer cries out sincerely to the Lord, don't we? Cries out. Lord, have mercy upon me. We won't sugarcoat the situation when the Holy Spirit's drawing us, will we? We'll say, Lord, have mercy upon me. I'm a sinner. We admit our sinnership, don't we? And we continue to admit our sinnership even after the Lord saved us. We beg for mercy, don't we? And God's people receive mercy. Great mercy. Immeasurable mercy in Christ Jesus our Lord. And beloved of God, when we pray for our unsaved children, we must be honest. We must be honest about their condition. As this man was about his son. He didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it, did he? He was honest with the Lord about the condition of his son. And we must be honest before our God as we love our children. But the unregenerate are not good in God's sight. They're not. I have two children who I pray for all the time. They're not good in God's sight. They're not. They're sinners, just like I am. They came from me, so they're a sinner. Just like I am. And, and I'm not good in God's eyes, in my natural state. Now, in Christ I am, but not in my natural state. 
So we must be honest. We must say, my father, my children are just as undeserving of your mercy as any others. But please have mercy on them. Please, if it be your will, have mercy upon them. Please, Lord. Show mercy to my unsaved loved ones. And we see that this concerned father did that. This was his only child. He's crying out to the Lord of glory. He's crying out to the only one who can help his son. The only one who can help him. You imagine what he's went through? All the years of seeing his child go through these things? Do you imagine how heart-wrenching that's been for him? My. Oh, but thou, Lord, art a God full of compassion. That's what our God, he's full of compassion, isn't he? Oh, he's full of compassion and graciousness, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth, Psalm 87, 15 declares. And we declare that too as God's people, don't we? We declare that. Oh, let us lift up our hearts. Let us lift up our hearts and praise and glorify our great God. We've tasted, we who are the redeemed of the Lord have tasted that the Lord is gracious, haven't we? We've tasted that the Lord is merciful. We've tasted, we've, we've really tasted that the Lord's long-suffering. Think of how long-suffering he was before he saved us. Think of how long-suffering he is with us after he saves us. My, oh my, oh my. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Have you tasted that the Lord is long-suffering? Have you tasted that the Lord is plenteous in mercy and truth, just as the scriptures declare? Then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let us say so. Oh, we tasted his mercy. Praise his mighty name. We've tasted his graciousness. We've tasted his long-suffering. Praise his name. He's so good to us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray. We pray, we pray that he be gracious to our unsaved loved ones. Oh, Lord, please be gracious to them, if it be your will. Oh, Lord, please. So I can relate, and you can relate to what this father, how he's crying out. How he's crying out to the Lord. And if he saved our souls, by his death upon the cross, if he's cleansed us from all, all our sins, if we're dipped in the fountain of his blood, we'll praise his name, won't we? We'll rejoice because he's so gracious to us. Are you regenerated by God, the Holy Spirit? Have you been given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Then rejoice and praise his name. He's had mercy upon you. He's so compassionate. He didn't leave us where we were dead in trespasses and sins. And we pray, oh Lord, please, if it be your will, do so for my family members. Oh Lord. Do so for others as they hear this message. Give them life, Lord, we pray, if it be your will. And these wonderful truths that the Lord is full of compassion, that he's gracious, that he's long-suffering, that he's plenteous in mercy and truth. These wonderful truths, what do they do? They glorify God, don't they? They glorify him. They cause our lips to praise his name. Oh, my. Think of this, too. You want to think of how compassionate the Lord Jesus Christ is to his people. Think of this, that we are saved by the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of that. Think that he gave his life for us. My, what mercy he's had upon us. How compassionate he is. My, oh my. Oh, Lord, we pray. We pray, if it be your will, save our friends and family members, if it be your will. Save our children who do not know you. Oh, And I'll tell you what, pray for future generations too. Lord knows. You got a little grandchild, pray for him. Never too young to pray for him. Pray the Lord will show him mercy as he gets older, or she gets older. Pray for him. 
<laughs> Lift them up. I told my buddy Jacob in, in Colorado, I'm already praying for your boys. They're all little, but I'm praying for them. Lord, please, if it be your will, give them faith. When they get older, show them what they are and grant them faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the young people in our church, pray for them too. Pray for them, beloved. Lift them up. Oh, my. Remember this, too. Not only do these truths magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, but always remember this, that God cannot pour his wrath out on any guilty sinner that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died for. We do not know who God's people are. God knows who they are, but we don't know. And God will not pour his wrath upon anyone who Christ died for. Again, we don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. Before the Lord saves them, we don't know. We have no clue. My, oh, my. And God cannot pour out his wrath on any guilty sinner that our Lord suffered and died for, not even our own children if they're one of his sheep. And I'll tell you what. If you had met me in my 20s and my 30s, you'd have had no idea I was one of the Lord's people. As a matter of fact, you might have probably said, man, he might be a lost cause, that fellow. But you know what? God had mercy on me. God saved my soul. I had no idea I was one of his sheep. I had no idea at all. He saved me by his grace and by his mercy. So keep lifting up your friends and your family members until they breathe their last breath. Keep lifting them up to the Lord. My. Pray that God will turn them from their wicked ways. That's what he did for us, eh? We still struggle with sin, but he's turned us, isn't he? Now we look to him. In him alone. What a hope we have, beloved. What a hope we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 40 here. The man tells the Lord Jesus Christ that his disciples had tried to cast out this evil spirit from the boy and they could not. They couldn't do it. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out and they could not. Now I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this as I was putting this message together and I thought, they, the Lord had sent them out and they, they had the power to cast out demons and they had done that. And they came back marveling and he said, don't marvel about that. Marvel that your names are written in heaven. So he got them on the right perspective, right? But look at this. I was thinking about this. I thought, boy, they, they besought the disciples. They tried to cast them out. They tried to cast this demon out, but they couldn't. So the other nine apostles who we're going to see were with the multitude waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this concerned father had already bought his child to them, to the disciples of the Lord, and they tried to cast him out, but they failed. Well, remember that these men had just recently, again, been sent out by Christ to preach his gospel, and the Lord given them power over unclean spirits, perform miracles, and here they can't, they can't cast this demon out. You know why I believe they couldn't cast this demon out from this, from this boy? Because it was ordained by God the Father. It was ordained by God the Father that the Lord Jesus Christ would demonstrate his power, would demonstrate his power in a personal way before all the multitude of people and before that Father. It was ordained by God that this man and his son would have a divine encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And try as much as they would, the disciples couldn't cast out that spirit. My, oh, my. Now, there were some unbelieving scribes and Pharisees in that crowd of people, religious men who, who hated the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that when we turn over to the narrative in Mark, it's not mentioned here in Luke, but it is mentioned in 
the narrative in Mark that the, the Pharisees and scribes were there. And they'd been mocking the Lord's apostles and disputing with them because they could not heal the child. Verse 40, verse 40 look, look at verse 41 actually. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Now right away when we read that, our first thought is he's speaking to, he's speaking to the, the dad in all the multitude there. But he's not speaking to his apostles and he's actually not speaking to the dad. Because the word, word faithless in the text means faithless without faith. Well, we know the apostles weren't without faith. And we know this man wasn't without faith because he came and said, Lord. And we've identified that as one of the marks of a believer crying out, Lord. And with the exception of the apostles, only Judas Iscariot had no faith, right? But all the other apostles had faith. And again, the father had faith. So who's he writing, or who's he speaking to when he says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? And then he says, Bring thy son hither. Again, the, the father of the child was not faithless. If he was, he wouldn't have brought his child to Christ. Right? And just like the woman with the issue of blood who we looked at, she said, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment. This man believed that the Lord Jesus Christ could heal his son. He believed it. He, he, he knew the disciples couldn't, so he's coming to the master himself. He's coming to the master himself. And the word perverse there means distorted or corrupt in the Greek. So, oh, faithless and corrupt generation. Well, that's all of us by nature, isn't it? Right? It was the faithless scribes and Pharisees he was talking to. They were distorted. They were nothing but religious men who had twisted the scriptures to their own destruction. They changed the way God was to be represented. They put all these burdens upon men. We still have them today. False preachers who say you've got to do this and you've got to do that to be saved. We still have them today. Anyone who tells you there's something you have to do to be saved that adds to the finished work of Christ is a false preacher. Now, do we come to Christ? Absolutely. We do. Because God draws us to Christ, right? But we do exercise that God-given faith, don't we? We come to Christ. We don't deny that. Absolutely. God gives us faith. We run to Christ. <laughs> but if you add anything that you have to do to earn that salvation, or a pinprick of your works, or if any preacher says just a pinprick of the work, that's a false gospel. I don't care how sincere the guy is. It's a false gospel. And these religious blind leaders of the blind, they usually lord over their flocks. They twist the scripture to try to prove their false doctrine. They deceive those who follow them. But we see our Lord rebuke those men who had been mocking his disciples. We see our our Lord proclaiming, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? He'd done so many miracles. The miracles alone were proof of his deity, weren't they? He'd done so many, yet they still denied him. How long shall I suffer you? He was letting them know that he's patient and long-suffering, just like that text in Psalms proclaimed. The God-man is patient and long-suffering. We're exhorted in James, as we looked at this morning, to be patient which means long-suffering, God's not telling us something that he doesn't do himself. And again, as we saw, that long-suffering is not something we can muster up. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's God working in us. He makes us long-suffering. Don't sit there and go, because I used to do this in religion. I'd be like, oh, 
I need to be more patient. I need to be more long-suffering with people. And you know what? It was work. Now, I realize from how the, what the Lord showed me in Scripture that the Holy Spirit has to work long-suffering in us. The Holy Spirit has to work joy in us. The Holy Spirit has to work peace in us. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of our works. And we find ourselves rejoicing more. We find ourselves with more joy. We don't ever see ourselves as more long-suffering, though. I'm just going to put that out there because we don't. We don't see ourselves. But others see it in us. They see it in us, even though we don't see it in ourselves. Others see it. So our Lord had been putting up with their hateful mocking. Oh, their hateful mocking. But he wouldn't put up with it forever, because in A.D. 70, Jerusalem was just leveled. Some of these mocking Jews died then. I'll tell you what, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And he will. He will. But think of this. We were amongst our faithless and perverse generation. Where did God find us? In that. And he saved us by his grace. Have we not tasted that the Lord is merciful? Have we not tasted his graciousness, beloved? Have we not tasted his long-suffering with us before and after we're saved? Oh, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good to us. God has delivered us from that same faithless and perverse condition. We were just like everybody else. He's patient and long-suffering with us. We were filled with enmity against him, and yet now we're, we're turned to praise him. And he's still patient and long-suffering with us, isn't he? He's still patient and long-suffering. Why? Because of his sovereign grace and mercy in Christ Jesus our Lord. He bestows his mercy and his grace to us through his perfect redeeming work. God, we, and there we can say with confidence, God saved me. God saved me. Couldn't save myself, but God saved me. He saved me by his power, by his grace, by his mercy, by his sin-atoning great work that's complete, finished, and perfect, by the shedding of his precious blood. Oh, what a Savior. We should be filled with perpetual praise, shouldn't we? But we're sinners. (laughs) We're sinners. But we give thanksgiving to our great God, don't we? Oh, we thank him. We thank him for his mercy. And when our Lord said, bring thy son hither, he spoke personally to the father of his child. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. We'll go there now. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and look at uh, look at verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. They were disputing with them. And straightway all the people were, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. They greeted him. When he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have bought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth away his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and walled foaming. 
And he asked his father, how long is it ago that, that, since his child came unto him? And he said, of a child. So he's been possessed by this, this demonic spirit since he was a child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canest do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But look at this. Look at verse 22. But if thou canest do anything. A little bit of doubt there, right? Look what the Lord answers him. Jesus saith unto him, If thou canest believe, all things are possible. You believe on me, all things are possible. That's what he's saying. So he had a little bit of doubt. The Father, if thou canest, because you know your disciples couldn't, but if you can, and I love I love this man's response. Look at it. Canest thou believe that all things are possible to him that believe? And straight away the father child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. <laughs> I believe, Lord. Help thou my unbelief. That's our cry, beloved. Even after we're saved. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help me from doubting. Oh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried out and rent, cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. He took him by the hand, beloved. Touch the master's hand. My gosh. And lifted him up. The God man lifted him up. And he arose. And when he was come unto his house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And they said, this kind can only come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. My, oh my. So Mark gave us a little more of that personal conversation too, didn't he? Between the Lord and this, this young man's father. And as we compare the different scriptures that record this event, we see this child had already been bought to the Lord Jesus Christ before this personal conversation took place. And the devil that was in that child had thrown the child into the fire, thrown the child into the water, trying to destroy the child. Trying to destroy the child. And probably since he was a child that that's happened. Since he was a child. can only imagine what that father had went through. And the pain that pierced his heart as he watched his son tormented by this evil spirit. These things are real. Nothing for us to mess with. Nothing for us to mess with, beloved. Not at all. But our elder brother crushed Satan and his, and his angels, didn't he? And our Lord Jesus Christ knew the need of this man's heart. He knew the situation. He knew that this was ordained not only for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, but for the eternal good of the Father and the Son. And the healing of that young boy was purposed by God to bring glory to God. My, oh, my. And look over there in Mark 9.21. He asked, how long is it ago since this child or that since this came unto him, and he said of a child. Now, now again, our Lord wasn't asking this for information. Not at all. He already knows. He knew this boy had been in that condition for a very long time. And our great God and, and King had allowed that demon to throw that child into the convulsive fits and cause the father of that child to cry out to, to him for help. Which could only come from God. And here's the God-man. The one he's crying out to is the God-man. The one who has control over all things visible and invisible. And all this was coming to pass for the glory of God and for the good of the father and his, his young child. Now the father didn't know that God would be glorified in the, in the healing of his son as he watched his son cast himself into water and fire, he had no idea that down the road that his son would be used by, by being healed by Jesus to glorify God. He had no idea. He had no hope, so he'd bring, he'd bring in 
He's bringing the only one he can hope can heal him. And even when he said, well, if you can, and then he changed his tune real quick, didn't he? Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> oh, my. And he had tears flowing down his face. It's like he's crying out, Lord, be merciful to me. And think of this, it would not have been, if it had not been for the restraining hand of God Almighty, that demon would have destroyed that child. He'd have destroyed that child. It was obvious that was his intention, but, he, but not even demons can do anything unless God allows. And this is true of every one of God's elect. Satan would destroy us if he could. He'd destroy us if he could. But we're kept by the power of God. God protects us. He protected us before we were saved, and he keeps protecting us even after we're saved. So imagine the pain and the sorrow that this father had went through. He'd seen his son. Maybe they walked by a, a pond of water. All of a sudden, the son throws himself in there. And... and Back then, they had open fires for cooking. And remember, it was a demon casting, causing them to do this. They had, imagine an open fire cooking, cooking your food, and all of a sudden, you turn your back, and you're chopping something up over here, and you hear your son screaming. He's cast himself into the fire because of the demon. It'd be horrendous, wouldn't it? And it's, from our text, it started from when he was a young child. And now he's a young man. So I couldn't even imagine the sorrow that this father went through. Hearing this child scream for help. And there was large bodies of water then. There were small bodies of water. And for what it sounds like, when they went by a large body of water, the demon would cause the young man to cast himself into the water. Well, you know what the dad would do, what any one of us would do, jump in there and get him out of there, right? But would that not, your heart would be pounding? You'd be, you'd have tears hearing your son screaming for his life? My. The demon sought to destroy him. The evil spirit it obviously had attempted it many times. And this man cried out to our Lord. If thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then again, this man had heard of the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings his son to him. The Lord had given this man faith. How much faith does it take to save us? Faith is a grain of mustard seed, right? Just a little faith, right? And we know that. We know that because of how we're plagued with unbelief. How we're plagued with doubt. Right? It's true of all of us. I, I'm the first to say amen. That, that's true of me. I talked to Donnie Bell, same thing. Norm Wells, same thing. We're, we're, we're all plagued by it, beloved. Some point or another, we're plagued by it. My, oh, my. And look at Mark 9.22 again. I, I want to just look at this real quick again. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. That's what, that's what it sought to do. It sought to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. See, there's that little bit of doubt. If thou can do anything. If you can, Lord. Our faith is also mixed with doubt, isn't it? Right? But what happens when the Lord says to this man, and, and he said it to us in our hearts too, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now that, see, now the name it and claim it guys, they take this and twist this all up. See, you just gotta, you just gotta name it. I'm not gonna be sick. That's just ridiculous. 
We know afflictions and sorrows come our way. They're appointed by God. And we end up glorifying God more on the other side than we do. Remember what I said this morning? How the sun is always shining, but sometimes it's obscured by clouds. But you know, the sun, S-O-N, is always with us, even though sometimes he's obscured by clouds of trials and sorrow. You know, he's ever with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's ever with us. The sun is always there. Behind those clouds is the sun all the time, right? Just remember that when we're going through trials and things. He's always with us. He's always with us. He says, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So the Lord, (laughs) the man fires an if, and the Lord fires an if back to him. (laughs) He the man fires, you know, but if thou can do anything, and then the Lord fires an if back to him, if thou canst believe, <laughs> he fires right back at him, beloved. Oh, it's wonderful. And don't forget that this man's son, the demon had thrown him into a convulsive fit, and the boy is wallowing around in the dirt right before them. Right before them. It's just a pitiful sight. But our Lord knew what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do. But the father of that demon-possessed child didn't know, did he? And so he cries, Lord, help my unbelief! Help my unbelief, Lord, please. With tears, the scripture says. Look at verse 24 of Mark 9. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, look at that, he called him Lord, beloved. Call him Lord. God's people call Christ Lord. Lord, I believe. He's been given faith. He's been given faith. Help thou my unbelief. (laughs) And look at the power on display in Luke chapter 9. Turn back to Luke chapter 9. Look at the power on display here. It says, and as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down. He's still trying to destroy him. Even as he's coming to Christ, he's still trying to destroy him. I'll tell you what, when a person's coming to Christ, sometimes the heat gets turned on even higher. Unsafe folks around people who are coming to Christ sometimes start saying to them, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? You're going to miss out. You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to do anything fun anymore. I'm more joyful now in Christ than I've ever been in my life. I'm more joyful now than anything I ever, ever did to, to try to drown my souls and drown things. I'm more joyful now just on Christ and what he's done for me. Isn't it wonderful? Absolutely wonderful. My, oh my. Look at the display of sovereign power here, though. And he was, when he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. Oh, the father cries out, Lord, help my unbelief, and immediately the Lord heals his son. My, what mercy! What compassion! He heals the son on the spot! No recovery time! <laughs> Again, I'm going to keep saying that with each of these narratives because there's no recovery time, just instantaneous healing. That evil spirit, when the Lord says, come out of him, or you rebuke him, that evil spirit can't do nothing but come out of him because he's the one who's speaking to him is the one who's king of kings and lord of lords, the one who has all power and might. My the disciple could cast that evil spirit out, could they? But I'll tell you what, when that evil spirit's faced with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, it takes right off. And he says, don't go into him again. I bet you that dad and that father testified to the mighty power of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of their lives. Telling people the great things the Lord done for them. Oh my it doesn't say the son was saved, but I, 
Uh, something tells me I think he might have been. But that's, that's neither here or there. We know the dad was. The Lord saved the dad. But, and that dad, he'd, he'd be bragging on Christ for the rest of his life, wouldn't he? And the demon knew Christ. He knew who he was. Because we know the scripture says the demons know who he is and they tremble. I was talking to my son this week and he was telling me about someone who went to a place they probably shouldn't have went to that was supposedly frequent by spirits and all this. And I said, don't mess with that stuff. He, Josh didn't go, but somebody he knew did. And I said, just don't mess ever with that stuff. Take it from your dad. Don't mess with that stuff. Well, I guess this person went there and they messed around and, and some things happened. And I said, to, I said to my son, I said, now they were terrified of that, weren't they? And he said, yeah. And I said, but they're not terrified of God. And I said, but those spirits are terrified of God. They're terrified of The devils believe and tremble. That's not a saving belief, but they know who he is. Art thou come to, to judge us before the time? Remember the legion of evil demons? 5,000 demons in one man. And he says, come out of them! And they went into them pigs, didn't they? And then pigs, they went right down to the water and all died, didn't they? A big bacon feast that day. But I'll tell you what. Those Jews were selling pigs and they weren't supposed to. My, oh my. I'll tell you what. Those demons had to obey his command. They had to. They had to. This demon had to obey the Lord's command. He even tried to destroy that young boy as he's coming to Christ, as he's being brought to Christ. But beloved, our great God is upon the throne of power. He is all power. We see his power displayed right here. This is the God man. This is, this is God incarnate in the flesh. This is our Savior. This is the one who died for us and redeemed us. And he just cast that demon right. The word of his power. And then he, he even said to it again, you don't go back into him. And then, could you imagine? He, he says he gave the son to his father and he's whole. Could you imagine? There's probably a sparkle in his eyes. He can see and hear. And who would he see when he woke up? Because remember he was on the ground, it was looking like he was dying. Who, who's the first person he'd see? The Lord Jesus Christ. And God manifest in the flesh, helped him up, delivered him from that spirit, and gave him to his father. I'll tell you, <laughs> that was me, you couldn't shut me up. <laughs> I'm telling you, I believe that that dad, he probably just went back. He just told everybody everything. <laughs> oh, my. Look what the Lord's done. Look what he's done. Mark records the words, As thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. And he came out of him. And entered no more into him. No more. He's healed. Never to be in that state again. After the evil spirit came out of him, the boy's convulsions quit. The foaming of his mouth quit. And he was laying there. He was laying there and some thought he was dead. Turn if you would quick to Mark again. Mark chapter 9. Some thought he was dead. Mark tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. He arose. Mark chapter 9, verses 25 to 27. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. And he had to, right? And enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was one, he was as one dead, insomuch that they, many said he is dead. He's just laying on the ground. He was convulsing and foaming before, and now he's just, they think he's dead. He's just laying, he ain't moving. 
But Jesus took him by the hand. Is that not what he does with us? Takes us by the hand, beloved. We've been delivered. Took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he lifts us up, doesn't he? He lifts us up from the pit of sin that we were in. We couldn't help ourselves just like this young boy couldn't help himself. He lifts us up out of that pit. Sets us, our feet upon the rock, which is him, Christ, and establishes our goings. That's what our king has done for us. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. That young man had felt the personal touch of the God-man. He felt the personal touch of the God-man. And it was a tender, loving, compassionate, long-suffering, merciful touch. And then the Lord Jesus Christ delivers this young man to his dad. Delivers him to his dad. And I, I can only imagine the boy had a different countenance. Totally different countenance. He was completely healed. Completely healed, beloved. Oh my. Even though we have the presence of sin with us right now, as believers, we're washed clean in the precious blood of Christ clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ, completely healed. (laughs) But we're still sinners, aren't we? Oh, my. And again, this man, you wouldn't be able to shut him up. He went home. I bet you he went home and proclaimed what the Lord Jesus Christ had done for him and for his boy. And the scriptures here tell us they were all amazed. Of course. They should be. They should be amazed, shouldn't they? They should be amazed. The mighty power of God had just been on display in front of them. Look at verse 43. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. God had just done a miracle. And they, they should have all been amazed. As God, Our God's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. And we who are redeemed, we should be amazed too that he saved us, that he redeemed us, that he regenerated us that he gave us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let it become commonplace. Be amazed by it. It's amazing that God's done that for us. So many others, he just passed them by. But he didn't pass us by. Because in love, he chose us. My. So this week, let us just meditate and consider God's majestic power. Think of that. And then think of his perfect plan of salvation. Perfect. It's in and through Christ alone. Think of his unchanging love towards us who are hell-deserving sinners. That's what we are. We're hell-deserving sinners, and yet his unchanging love is set upon we who are his people. Think also of his sovereign grace and mercy and how it's been bestowed upon you. All those who Christ bought with his precious blood, all those who he purchased through the finished, perfect, sin-atoning work, of our great God and King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be amazed. Let us rejoice and be glad. Let us ponder these things in our mind this week and let the redeemed of the Lord praise him.